Am I even on now? Yes, you're okay. on. <laughs> Hello and welcome to... <laughs> I can't look at y'all. Okay, here we go. <laughs> we got to keep some of this in the beginning. Okay, go. Right. Hello and welcome <laughs> to Three Friends and a Book. I'm Holly. I'm Janine. I'm Caroline. And we are three friends who love to discuss literature. And we love the quote by Hannah Arendt that says, The things of this world become more human for us only when we, when we can discuss them with our fellows. We humanize what is going on in the world and in ourselves only by speaking of it. And in the course of speaking of it, we learn to be human. So Y'all this, are my fellows. That's straight up what I was going to say. Or, that is exactly what was getting ready to come out of my mouth. Or if we think about the book that we just read, Zadie Smith's my Swing Time. You guys are my tribe. Oh, man, I love that. Oh, so great. Look at all these connections we're making. Dang it, y'all. Um, all right, I'm going to start off real quick before we jump into the book. We have several people who have rated us on iTunes. Shout and out. a couple reviews. I'm going to read just one by a friend of the pod, Josie Campbell, who said, Excellent people sharing smart thoughts on good books. This is, quite possibly, the best podcast ever. And I'm only a little biased. Aww. So thank you, Josie Campbell. Thanks, Thanks Josie. I'm glad um, you think we're smart. <laughs> somebody does. <laughs> Um, the other news is we are now, I don't know if you knew this, Caroline, we are now on Instagram. I know. I had no idea. You guys can follow us on Three Friends in a Book. And we also have a Facebook page, which is also Three Friends in a Book. So you guys can follow and like us. And so a big shout out to former student of ours, Christy Ryan, who reached out and just said, what can I do? And so she is is helping us do some social media so we can grow this that podcast. That's really nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thank you to Christy for that. So follow along and let's see where where that goes. Um, so again, we did read Swing Time by Zadie Smith. And so we thought instead of starting with a review, and a, yeah, a, a summary, we thought, we're assuming that you guys all have read the book. And um, we're just going to start with what did we think? All right. So let's just go around. So Janine, what is your... What are your thoughts about this? I loved it. I um, when it was finished, when I was finished reading it, I decided that I felt like I hadn't gotten everything out of it, and so I did some reading, and I saw that people who've read others, Zadie Smith, seemed to th- like this less. Yes, and um, so it made me happy that it was the first one I had read because I I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, that's all I'll say for now. Because Caroline, you've read White Teeth, which is her. Yes, I think her I, more famous. I love and I love that book. In fact, I've thought about teaching it. Um, I lo- I I really really enjoyed this book. Um, I enjoyed the voice of the narrator, um, and so I just I enjoyed reading her and listening to her. Um, but I didn't love it as much as I loved White Teeth. Mm-hmm. Um, or I guess I was expecting that kind of story and that. It is a very different kind of story, but um, I enjoyed it very much. I enjoyed um, probably most of all thinking about the relationship between the narrator and her parents and how that affected choices that she made and things like that. So I enjoyed it. How'd you feel about it? Um, I felt I flew through probably the first 180 pages. Again, just really enjoying the narrator's voice because she's unnamed, so we don't know her name. Um, And flying through her childhood but as we got to some of the choices in what she was doing with her life I guess in her 20s or so it slowed down a bit for me and I felt like I I had to reread some parts to kind of really understand the message and the theme and what was happening there Um, but I felt like it ended 
it ended well. It picked its pace it pe- back yeah, up. Yeah, it picked its pace back up. And it's it's less, I'm sorry, it's less, um, you know, the message is less clear at the end of this novel than, for example, White Teeth or and some of the other novels that we've read where maybe kind of thematically, yeah. I don't know. it. And But I enjoy that about the book. What were you going to say? Sorry. No, I was just thinking that um, I... I did find that the beginning of the book flew in in her childhood the everything was very like the pages just flew by but the longer i read and as she became an adult and graduated from college and begins her career working for amy that it began to slow down and became almost a little um, bit repetitive yeah and i kind of think that may have been intentional because she's separated from her friend. They've had, you know, a falling out. And also, she's so uncertain about her life, which I think it's very easy to be like that in your 20s, to feel like you're not really getting anywhere. And, you you know, you're just kind of um, unsure about what the next step should be. And so I almost wondered if that was intentional, particularly because of the way the fi- the final parts of it picked right back up when she's connected with Tracy again. Yeah. Cause the two main people in her life are her childhood friend, friend Tracy. And then the woman, the pop star, the rock star, right. That she goes in and works for, um, and how her life changes through those two relationships. There's so many real, um, you know, real people's names in the book. Um, that I spent a lot of time wondering who the character Amy was based on, mm-hmm. which pop star from the what eighties yeah. mm-hmm. was, um, was Amy supposed to be? Because there were so many real, like she talked about real movies, real dancers, Michael Jackson's in there, Fred Astaire's in there. So it is interesting to, to think about. I really, yeah. Who did y'all think? Madonna. Madonna. That's what yes. I thought too. Okay. Yeah. Maybe that's obvious. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think it, like, I, I don't know that it is totally Madonna. I think that it's supposed to be, she wanted to have a little more leeway so that we could feel more, um, more conflicted about Amy. Because it had to be somebody with longevity. Mm-hmm. And I, at first I thought maybe like, remember Tiffany? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but oh. she didn't have longevity like Madonna did. Um, so yeah, I kind of thought about her, Madonna. The thing about Amy as a character, just, um, I, I, I don't, when I think back to this book, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about Amy, that she's not the character who stood out for me or, um, that I liked the most or was most interested in, but I did really find, um, her to be such a complicated character because half the time she's completely selfish and she's doing these things that are completely selfish and then pretends like she's doing things for good. And I don't know, she has this whole sort of superstar persona. And then other times she just can nail a situation. Like someone will ask her a question or, or she'll just look in at a situation and trade, um, in the narrator's life and just nail it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I felt like that was part of it. One of the things that we talked about as we got, as we were reading this book was just identity and how Amy like is very sure whether it's because of the money that she has and that affords her just this confidence and Amy really can read people and just say what she wants because she has that presence about her because of her celebrity. Whereas the narrator doesn't, you know, 
her, she never really, even in the end, is that sure of herself, never really is sure of who, who she is. And it's a stark contrast with Amy. Yeah. And I think it's when she first meets Amy or early on, she says, um, the narrator refers to her as it's like she's a tribe of one or something yeah. like that. And that's that's kind of interesting. Even though too. she had a huge entourage mm-hmm. with her, like four personal assistants, <laughs> security. So, just, yeah. What was the image that the narrator used to describe how they they were the ones down at the bottom of the water pulling the weeds so that she could float on the top? Yeah. 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 Um, I think I think there is I think she makes a statement there about money and power and how money and power does afford one the opportunity to speak truths um that other people can't speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the quotes that I kind of like going back to the whole idea of of tribe and then I want to talk to you Caroline about what you were interested in with the her relationship with her parents was a um there is a statement being made, I think, about 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 class, and she had a really good quote because one of the thing of the middle part of her life, Amy gets this obsession with Africa, and she wants to open up this school there. And one of the things that she learned from the Africans, that the author learned from the Africans, was about the idea of um, of 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 tribe. And he basically there's this this quote where he says, um, uh, "What does he say?" In New York, I saw low-class people treated in a way I never imagined was possible with total contempt. They are serving food, and people are not even making eye contact with them. Believe it or not, I was treated that way myself. And one of the things he kind of said about his village is, we don't have contempt for each other. Like, we are all part of each other's each other's tribe, and that means something. And I thought that was an interesting point to make between, you know, looking at how... And she loved going to Africa, loved spending time with Hawa and getting to know them um and i thought that was an, an interesting observation that was made um by a member of the african village about the difference in tribe in america versus tribe in africa like in africa they're all part of the tribe and they all matter whereas in america you know just this difference between the classes and how people are treated depending on their situation in life what you just said made me kind of feel like I have some insight for myself, anyhow, about the dance stuff in the book. Mm-hmm. Like, I wondered why all the dance stuff was there and what exactly it meant. And um, while you were talking, something you said triggered a memory in my head of a dance teacher I had in college who one time we were at an event and she was talking about how much she liked you know she was a professional dancer and she she liked to go around to different groups and sometimes you dance like these people over here and then you go you know go and you dance like these people over here and I think there may be something to the idea that in a in dance like you 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 your persona is made by the music. And so your tribe, your tribe is whatever the music is playing. So yeah. you can be a little bit of this and you can be a little of that. Yeah. You you don't have to be just one thing. Yeah. Cause that's what Tracy did. Right. I mean, she was, would watch and she would mimic and she would, um, what, like the dance that got her into that big dance school wasn't hers. Mm-hmm. She took the the dance from somebody, not in a bad way, but she just was willing to, to, um, to evolve and change and to, and to learn from different styles or what have you. Mm-hmm. 
But the difference, I guess, is is that she always knew what she really wanted, yeah. and the narrator just doesn't. She's but, yeah. uncertain. And even in the end, she, she is she's uncertain. Yeah. Caroline. Yep. Talk to us. Okay. <laughs> I think one of the one I was just um, searching for a quote while y'all were chatting um, because it, that reminded me of um, um, something that the narrator said. So the narrator is interesting, right? Because she's frustratingly um, unable to make choices that seem so much obviously better than the one she makes. Um which I, you know, which is nice because isn't that the way it always yeah. is, right? But, um, but she's also one of the reasons I loved her voice so much is, you know, she's telling the story and after it's happened, and she's got all this kind of, um, there. She has these moments of self awareness and these moments of understanding that are that I find really interesting mm-hmm. to read and helpful to read, um, you know. But then maybe like all of us. She'll, you know, she kind of forgets the next day this lesson that she learned. But she says at one point, um, she talks about how um, she says, um, I, um, at that time, as perhaps it is for most young people, I was at the center of things, the only person in the world with true freedom. I moved from here to there, observing life as it presented itself to me. But everybody else in these scenes, all the subsidiary characters, belonged only in the compartments in which I had placed them. And um, it, that, that reminded me a lot of um, Invisible Man and one of the things that he learns in that novel about um, finding his identity and and the danger of and of looking to other people to mm-hmm. find his identity and um, forgetting that you know you can't do that because everyone is the center of his or her own universe to yeah. a certain degree um, and so you can only see people in relationship to to you to yourself. Yeah. Um, so I found, I don't know, I, I like that idea that, you know, so often I think people have a hard time figuring out what they want and, and who they, who they are, um, because they're so, you know, they're at the center of everything and forget that that's not the way it works. Right. I mean, like, so if everyone's at the center of her own universe, yeah. then how do we make those connections? And it seems to me one of the things she's lacking at the end of the novel is real true connections, yeah. you know, that that are honest and real. And, mm-hmm. and part of that seems to me like because she's only been – she's only ever able to see her mom, for example, not as a separate human being but as – in as her mom and she's only ever seen Tracy as her friend, not Mm -hmm. Tracy as her own individual person. And of course that's maybe impossible to do. Um, but, um, the theme of so much great literatures often kind of comes back to that, which also reminds me of this essay that I I just gave Holly and Janine today that I'd like for everyone to read (laughs) called this is water by David Wallace Foster. And David Foster Wallace, excuse me, and um, it's a it's in large part about that about us walking around thinking we're not even thinking unaware that we believe subconsciously that we're the center of our the center of our, the world. Yeah, hmm. yeah, I I agree with that. 
But the interesting thing, though, to me, though, is I, I see the narrator and I see that that's how she viewed her world. But yet, like most of her adult life, her identity was. And like she was just Amy's assistant, you know, like Amy was the center of her world. But I, I see what you're saying. But as an adult, like the choice that she made in terms of her job is is weird that that would be the choice when do you remember the scene on her birthday amy's promised her like we're gonna go do this amazing thing on your birthday and then amy totally forgets and Mm -hmm. ends up taking her out anyhow just because amy wants to go out yeah and then she sing. amy goes to the bathroom and she sings just like she used to sing when she was a kid standing next to the piano which she loves to do amy got mad felt totally betrayed Mm -hmm. in the same way i think that tracy kind of felt betrayed sometimes so i in 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 what ways is Amy just a stand-in for Tracy? Yeah, True. for sure. True. And that's and so she's she is Amy's assistant, but then but you know she's constantly judgmental yeah. and and in the end undermines her. There's no real is not able to establish any kind of real relationship because of Amy, but but also she won't own this. This is where she's unreliable as the narrator because she she I don't know that she says it right there in that quote I I just read but i don't you know i don't think she's ever able to kind of get herself totally out of that place yeah um i don't know yeah there's a scene we i just i have to talk about i enjoyed it so much it was just a very short passage sort of in the middle of the book when she gets home from college and she's living with her dad and she goes to work at that restaurant oh yeah and the the, the pizza place and there is a tennis match that's going on, and there's an African-American who's doing really well in, in the tennis match, and her, her boss is just completely racist. Where is he from? He's from the mid- Middle East somewhere. Yes, and, so. um, and he keeps saying things like, tennis is not a black man's sport. Every race has their sport. That's not your sport. And... Um, she connects with this with this guy, the the delivery a Somali delivery boy, mm-hmm. and she starts coming into work, and she's wearing little uh, American flags on on her um, uniform to work or something. I don't I don't know, but she's just real caught up in this. And 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 even the the Congolese woman who cleans the ovens comes out, and and they have this really fantastic bonding moment, like mm-hmm. if for for this brief moment all they share this and so they are tribe yeah. and and it's just i just loved it so much and then they're all unified against the the boss right and he immediately like as soon as it's, it was so lovely and wonderful and i was like redemption and because in the end the black guy was in the finals against a middle eastern guy right and ultimately wins even though it looked for a minute like he wouldn't right yeah, yeah. and then um as, as soon as you know the dust is settled, the, the her boss basically says to the Somali kid, "Well, that would never happen to you because you're completely black. You know, it's different for her. Because, you know, because the narrator is biracial. Biracial, and and so I don't think as as wonderful as that whole scene is. I don't think we can talk about this book without talking about um, the role that race plays in." a person's identity and how how complicated that is for for people um and even even in scenes like this where it's uh a happy scene it it seems to always th- th- this book keeps bringing it back around like that it's that it's hard yeah, yeah. 
Well, which leads which leads me to um, talk about the mom a little bit because yeah. <laughs> the mom so is Jamaican. The mom's Jamaican. So her mom is Jamaican, and she is um, she gets very involved and interested in being a part of um, what the uh, social activism. Yeah. Because she had the narrator as a young as a young woman and never went to school, right? And so she was like early on, she was like the Communist Manifesto is my Bible, yeah, yeah. So she's super into going to school for she's, most of tra- uh, the narrator's young, young life. life, right? Yeah. She's in school studying, reading. She's a very, you know, as she's she's being liberated in her education. She's mm-hmm. um, very judgmental of of everyone around her, and including um, the father. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It feels really good about how how much harder she tries than everyone else right um and and the narrator says um i mean the narrator the narrator and her mom have a very difficult relationship Mm -hmm. um in part because the mom is so busy um kind of being liberated and figuring out who she is and how she fits kind of racially culturally um and wants to be very involved in that and, and an activist and out there and working in. And I think the narrator feels a little yeah, um, ignored. I don't know if that's the well, right word. One of the things I, I said this to you Dismissed. guys earlier that's funny is her mom didn't work. She just went to school. But on Saturdays, her mom needed time by herself. And the narrator made the comment right. of, what, is she, what does she need time from? And so the dad would take the daughter and they would just leave for the day. And the mom would have the whole Saturday to herself. Um, and and the mo- it's not like the mom was you know wasting her time. Or yeah, no, she was, she was she was going studying. to school. And she was studying. But and and but that's looked, how but that's how the narrator saw it. Yeah, was well because so much of what her mom was studying, I think, had to was about um, how to help people, uh-huh. how to raise up yes. society. Uh-huh. And and it's not that she didn't try with her own kids. She like made sure she took the ballet classes. She made sure she went to the better school. So she did the logical things. But did she do the loving things? Yeah. Well, she made sure, right? She made sure, but she made the dad take her. Yeah, right. Like, like the dad she, was more nurturing than the mom was. Uh-huh. Like in terms, of like hands on, you know, that type of stuff. So i I found that I just found that really interesting the the dynamic between the narrator and her mom and the mom's kind of journey and growth and understanding herself and um how that it almost seems to have kind of stymied the narrator's ability to do the same thing yeah which i just find fascinating you know she like, rebelled against is it. it is it a you know is it a conscious rebellion mm-hmm. is it um you know is it you know you you watch that happen and you're hurt by yeah. it and so you well, you can't do the same thing i, I find I, that fascinating but i even feel like when she tried like in college she tried and went to the school and she was doing all this studying and then her mom came and like shamed her about it she did this is not even a real college and what are you guys studying so i feel like she in college she was dating that activist remember he was called the activist <laughs> um she was dating this guy and her mom came and still made her feel bad about it and then she never did it never continued on that activist path but maybe because that's not who she was yeah. right but she didn't have a lot of i don't know 
So and so the dad. Let's just talk briefly about him. He is nurturing and loving, and definitely loves her mother, and definitely loves the narrator. Is a hard worker. Like, that is clear, but doesn't have much ambition outside of getting a paycheck and then just, like, sitting in his brother-in-law's, because it's his mother's brother that he mm-hmm. hangs out with, right? Right. Yeah. Or the narrator's mother's brother that he hangs out with. Um, they smoke weed all the time. And th- so so he doesn't have a bunch of ambition, and so the narrator has, has some of that aspect in her, too, a little bit. Mm-hmm. But she, in a way, she also becomes very nurturing and... um. So maybe that's what she's particularly good at. Maybe that's her thing is yeah. that she's able to bring mm-hmm. this other side of, of people out or the best part of people out or something. I don't know. But the dad is is a very sweet character throughout, like n- not without his frustrations, but very sweet. And so Tracy tries to make him seem terrible yeah. at some point. Do you guys think that – so Tracy writes a letter mm-hmm. saying, I saw your dad doing – something gross yeah right and so do you think the dad was actually doing that do you think tracy made it up or do you think it just doesn't even matter huh i didn't even think about the fact that she could have made that up i immediately thought she made it up did you think that caroline i did not that did not occur to me well it may be after the fact as i was thinking now that about you're saying it. it it makes sense that she would but just to hurt her because she was Tracy over and over again throughout their life tried to hurt her. Well, that gets back to what we I think we were saying right before we turned this on to record. I kind of feel like, you know, why'd she tell her anyway? She she had a very clear choice. Mm-hmm. She saw the dad doing something. Supposedly. Right. Mm-hmm. And writes a letter to the narrator saying, this is what I saw your dad doing. And in the letter, she, you know, she says, well, if I'd have seen him doing this one thing, I wouldn't have told you. But instead, I saw him doing this other thing. And so I've decided you should know. Um, I find that like I found that to be the most frustrating part of all of that. Just if now Tracy hasn't been the best friend to the narrator throughout, but they do have this history and things had been better mm-hmm. between them and so i guess i assumed i'm g- giving her the benefit of the doubt that that she must have really seen it um it's you know i she didn't have to tell yeah. the narrator though anyway knowing it would be embarrassing and hurtful as a friend it really didn't affect anything it wasn't something that would affect anything in no. any way um you know so maybe it doesn't matter if she did see it or didn't see it, but mm-hmm. it's the fact that she told yeah. when she really didn't need to tell. Mm-hmm. Kind of like in the end when Tracy sent that video out to the world um, and there was no no need for that. She wasn't even a part of what was happening between Amy and the narrator. And she sent that video out. It seems so much like a lot of Tracy's motives were to to pull the narrator back to her. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Out of pain. I mean, out of mm-hmm. her own emptiness and pain. And, and the end is so fantastic. I, th- I just love the way, like, re- where it takes us all over the place, ups and downs. Um, the end is so nice that it is the narrator's mother who tells her, go be with Tracy's children. And she she 
goes. She's like, I, I need to be there for them. And on her way there, she's like, am I, am I overstepping? This isn't really my place. And then she realized, oh, there's sort of a place, this, there's this new thing I can do where I'm not, it's not that I think um, better and um, that I'm trying harder than Tracy is to, to be a mother, but that I have these, this, this part of me could be useful to these people. Mm-hmm. And and that's okay, and that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think there is redemption in that. In that she um, can, you know, it's the mom with whom she's had such a contentious relationship who sends her to do something completely selfless. I mean, if you go back to the that quote we were talking about earlier. Um, you know, she is, she makes a choice not to be the center of the universe, yeah. you know, and put something else first, even though she's been hurt by this person, mm-hmm. um, that it's her mom that encourages her to do that. Yeah. And her mom has not been the most encouraging no. of mothers. And that she then makes that choice mm-hmm. seems to me to be a hugely wonderful yeah. um and that's why in the end, I really like the ending. Whereas the middle is kind of like, blah, blah, but the ending, just that, how they come, how that come, not necessarily full circle per se, but. Yeah, I guess it does. I mean, in that, I never put it all together in this way, but in that way, this book is, is really just the story of this friendship. Mm-hmm. I think so too. First and foremost. And I, I guess I hadn't thought of it that way until right this minute. Yeah. But that's the beginning and the ending. They. They lose, you know, they lose their way from one another. Mm-hmm. They hurt one another terribly. Um, they learn a lot of important things together. Yeah. And they find their way back despite all of the mess that mm-hmm. is life. Yeah. They find their way back to each other in the end. Yeah. They are each other's tribe, as we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Did you just get choked up? A little bit. <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> oh you know, it I, is yeah it's beautiful yeah it is. in that way <laughs> and whereas before i had kind of been thinking you know like what's this book saying there's no hope like if the person one person that you yes. count on the most is yeah. willing to hurt you so badly so publicly yeah. but but i suppose then in the end yeah she's human yeah she might hurt but in the end the narrator forgives yes yeah. and it's going to go do right by her friend's kids. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. That is cool. I think it's a good place to end. So. Where what, are we going next? I don't know. What you want to do? I think we are going to. I think we have an obsession with British authors. <laughs> because a majority of our books have You're been. right. From, is it because you teach Brit Lit? I don't know. I didn't. I'm not <laughs> controlling this. I promise. <laughs> listeners. Uh, we're going to really go not. back to a classic. Yeah. And we're going to uh, read 1984 by George Orwell. So that is where we're going to check out next. So some of you might have read that in, in high school or in college, or maybe both. Reread it. Reread it. Get on it. Um, and come take a journey on journey with us to um, Ocean E. The next, the next podcast might get a little political. Let's maybe. just go ahead and have a Full warning. Disclosure. Yeah. There's, got, there's not any way to t- read 1984 and talk about it really without talking about current the current political situation and not just in america but right Russia, global north korea 
governmental yeah. relationships and all that kind of stuff. Nigeria. So it's going to happen. Yeah. I was so, just listening to NPR. They were talking about Kenya and the, po- the political situation there. So, yeah. So, so, you know, if you don't, if that's not your thing or you don't want to listen to us rant about politics, you might skip that one and then come to the, back <laughs> oh, to the next one. Come on, join us. Well, it's just, you know. We want to be real with our people. All right, so make sure to uh, follow us on Instagram. Check us out on Facebook. Rate and review us. Subscribe on iTunes. And we'll see you next time.